welcome to another episode. I think this is two this week. I, I can't even keep track of these weeks anymore with what's going on in the market and, and everything else. But we've got Alex here from Swissborg, uh, Chief Partnership Officer. Super stoked to have him. Uh, we just found out that John and him went to the same university backstage. Yes. So I'm sure we're going to probably spend 40 minutes talking about that. No, I'm kidding. Um, but really excited to bring him on. Um, you know, we've got uh, some fun stuff today. We're actually going to be giving away a t-shirt. A Lunar Crush Moon Boys T-shirt and hoodie. John, hey, does it look like this one? Does it look something kind of like rocking the black right now? Um, Love it. And then uh, Alex, so kind that he's you know those the whoever a asks the best questions, we we select those. We'll give you some uh, hoodies, but we're also going to do uh, a giveaway, um, you know, from him. So we're super stoked for that. Um, just a disclaimer to everyone: remember, you know, we do not take payment for this live stream. Uh, we bring on cool people and projects um, that are building and our builders in the space. And, um, you know, we want to give them that audience. So we're stoked to have them, um, you know, get again, get in there, ask the questions in the chat. And then, uh, as always, it says in all caps here, slam that subscribe button um, <laughs> and uh, get on. I think we've got Hacker Noon next week. Um, we're going to be talking about, you know, editorial and crypto. That'll be super fun, a little bit uh, different than with some of the projects. So please join for that. Um, and with that, John, what's happening with Swissborg and social? I, I just hope that I win the sweater because I could use another one. It'd be really nice. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, let me share my screen because you know yeah, what? That's what I need to do. Um, super excited to go over some of this data here because there's been a lot of growth. Um, so when we look at Swissborg, uh, we're talking about something that is uh, currently uh, valued at about 675 million. That puts it at the 99th biggest market cap rank in the market. Um, currently about 70 cents. Um, when we look at the two-year data here, um, I wanted to kind of zoom back. I mean, usually we're, we're focused a little more short-term, but I just wanted to kind of zoom out and show the, the growth of the social ecosystem that we've seen around this. Um, you know, we can see that if we're looking at social volume, um, we're talking about up to 2,600 uh, social mentions per day, but, but I mean, you, you go back here, 10 single double digits. And so we're seeing this huge growth um, and that growth is becoming more frequent. Um, when we look at the engagement of that, which you really be looking at the depth of the social posts. Um, so when someone posts talking about Swiss Borg, um, how many comments back are there? How many retweets are there? Likes? Um, and, and how does that kind of trend over time. You know, it's one thing to look at your feed and say, yeah, there was one big post. It's another to constantly see that and constantly see the community engaging. Um, and it's really interesting because even just us like saying, hey, we're going to have Alex on from Swiss Borg, um, the number of, of, of engagements that were going on, even on that post um, was fairly unusual. So, so really great community. Um, when we look at the number of individual um, accounts that are posting, again, Look at this trend, um, you know, kind of coming up a little bit, hanging out, and then just exploding. Um, and so when we look at this, um, you know, you really want to see that frequency, and you want to see the number of accounts going way up. Um, we're seeing up to, if I can get my mouse over here, again, up to about 2,357. This is like a unique users, you could say, on a daily basis. Um, and when we look at kind of all of this combined over time, um, Pretty interesting to note, you know, we introduced our alt rank back here and we see this general trend. You want to see it going down to number one as much as wow. you can. So just over time to see the consistency 
of um, our all rank kind of coming down. And what that's looking at, it's looking at, at, at like a broad-based measure of social metrics. Um, it's saying, you know, over time, is the social activity really outperforming the rest of the market? Because this looks at the entire market. Um, and it's also looking at price performance. And it's saying, um, over time, is this outperforming or underperforming Bitcoin? And if you look at that kind of, it's pretty interesting because if you look at that from like a, like, hey, my strategy is to earn more Bitcoin. If you're going to not be in Bitcoin, you want to be in coins that are outperforming Bitcoin. And so uh, when you look at this kind of trending down over time, um, super, super healthy. Um, I want to pull up, let me go back here. And I want to just pull up some, I'm going to go one year. And I want to look at the influencers. So what we also do is we we don't just say like, hey, what's that activity and call it a day. We don't just count the number of mentions. We look at all these different dimensions of social and um, we actually look at, well, who's posting? And, and it's one thing if someone's posting, you know, like one day and they might be a big influencer, you know, let's say uh, hypothetically Snoop Dogg comes out and says, yes, Swiss Borg is the next big thing, right? Um, Definitely and he does one post. Who knows? Who knows these days, right? Um, yep. But uh, let's say he posts one day. Well, okay, that might be influential one day. And then he never posts again. Um, that does not make him a long-term influencer. That makes him an influencer just for that day. Um, and, and why? Because um, we look at really these three different elements. We look at the engagement of the posts that these accounts have. We look at the number of posts over time that they have. And we look at the number of followers relative to everyone else that's also talking about Swiss Borg. And so when we look at that um, on a yearly basis, we can see Swiss Borg, number one account. We see Martini guys been talking about Swiss Borg a lot. We see Cyrus Fazel, Alex Fazel, uh, Crypto Mobster, Swiss Borg Mania, Kryptonites TV. So assuming they've created a lot of video content there. Uh, StakeDAO, uh, Wheatswind. I'm gonna hopefully say that right, Wheatswind. Uh, Ollie White. Um, you know, Glavin Dennis, Dolphin, Cryptost, and Staking Rewards, just to name a few. Um, so with that, let's uh, let's bring in Alex Joe and uh, let's let's chat about oh, Swiss Borg. Awesome, Alex, what's up, my man? Thank you so much for being here. What's up, Joe? What's up, John? Thank you so much for having me on the show. You guys are killing it with Lunar Crush, man. It's such a a new way of seeing the world through social sentiment data and. Really, it means so much more than technical analysis. So I really, really, really congratulate you two for creating such an amazing platform. Oh, we appreciate that, man. I mean, we already got people rapping in the uh, comments here with drop it like it's Borg, drop it like it's Borg after oh, John mentioned God. the Steve <laughs> <Trump card. laughs> It's happening, man. Um, well, yeah, we always like to start off by, you know, where, where are you in the world today? What's it like there? I'm in beautiful Nice, south of France, you know, where my brother and I grew up when we were little. And you can see, right, it's kind of, it has that Orange County weather. It's uh, very nice, not too humid. I can't complain. And great rosé wine, by the way. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> we'll be right over. <laughs> you guys are welcome anytime. John's already, already going to fly out. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm on Expedia right now. <laughs> so, Alex, tell us a little bit, um, you know, about your history in the, in the space, um, you know, why, why crypto, what makes you passionate about the space? Um, why did you get in and how did that happen? 
Yeah, it's really thanks to my brother, so Cyrus Fazel, who's a co-founder and CEO of Swissborg. He's on vacay, a well-deserved vacay, by the way. He's where do you, if you're in Nice, where do you, where do you like vacay on top of that? Like, is there like the International <laughs> Space Station? Like, I don't know, I don't understand. He's in Tanzania right now, and he went okay. camping in the middle of night in this safari, okay. and he woke up with three massive hippos around his tent. That's not what you want. Oh. That's not what you want. The most <laughs> lethal animal on the planet for that human, literally yeah. will stomp and destroy you for humans. Uh, he woke up, and he took pictures. He said it was the scariest moment. I'm, I'm so glad he's still safe, knock on wood, but uh, scary okay. stuff. <laughs> Whoa. Well, glad, he, glad he's safe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so long story short, my brother got me into this. Uh, it was actually November 2016. And I got a call. I was walking down Maranochi, which is one of the corporate areas of Tokyo. I remember it was quite great. It was raining. And my brother just was talking so fast about the change of finance 2.0, token economics. You know, everything is going to be tokenized. And he's talking about Ethereum, the virtual machine, the smart contract. And he was in a complete nerdgasm, as one of my friends would say from the U.S. Shout out to Joel. He had a complete nerd nerdgasm. And, um, you know, I just really didn't understand a single word of what he was saying. He said, trust me, Ethereum is a thing. And he was really, his heart was taken more by Ethereum than Bitcoin. You know, a lot of people, they get into this for Bitcoin, but he just saw like something different with the arrival of smart contracts. And he bought me some Ethereum, you know, to get me interested in it. And, you know, obviously in the beginning, to be fully honest, I was in it more for the money. I had more extrinsic uh, motivation factors, but now i'm in it from it's in my soul it's a part of my dna the community and all the things that are around it it's just it takes my mind 24 7. so uh, absolutely fell in love and and one thing i do want to share with some people out there because a lot of people you know they like to say kind of like oh i'm in this since 2012 or 2013 that it sounds so cool one thing that i i do want to share is that you know i don't believe that it's it, what matters the most is not how long you've been into crypto but how much you've contributed to the community and the ecosystem and uh you know, even with Swissport, we have community members that have been following us maybe for three to six months, like Glavin, Dennis, and some of these guys, Marco and Roman, they've been with us for maybe a year, two years, and they've already contributed so much in terms of creating educational content in terms of, you know, getting people on board, sharing it with their family, with their friends. So, uh, yeah, I think that's something that, you know, obviously, you know, 2016 nowadays sounds cool, but really, I don't, I don't think that matters the most. I see people, you know, in three months, a good example, by the way is you know you guys know who right one of our our biggest stars in crypto behind MicroStrategy. he's only been this in this game for like a year and two months now he actually announced in bitcoin miami that it, it's been like his first anniversary but he's contributed more than any guy on the planet right when it comes to educating people about bitcoin sharing it pitching it you know really finding all the whys for everyone to truly understand how powerful this thing is and that is, you know, I, I have to ask you guys, Joe and, and John, you know, if you imagine we're at the Olympics, right? And there was a some sort of crypto versus haters debate <laughs> and you could choose five guys to represent our community, our big family. Would you guys who would you guys have in, in the top five? Sorry for putting on the spot. It's a difficult Man, question. That's, but. A, that's a great question. I'm going to steal that. Um, gosh. I'm, like, I'm actually really interested to hear what John is going to say, but. I mean, you know, I, I guess you, you have to say Michael Saylor. I mean, that's he's got to be on that team. You know, I I put I put CZ on that team too. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, depending on 
I, I'm like already seeing what John's typing, so he's already giving me ideas. Um, but <laughs> I, have, I, have no, to, I have definitely to think CZ. I won't pick those guys, John. Um, just you know, he. I listened to him a lot in the early days, and like regardless, you know, and even with what he said this last week of you know he would step down if he needed to or whatnot. He was, I can't remember if it was like an early like audio thing or podcast that he did where it was like, and I kind of learned a lot as a founder from this of just FUD and just like, how do you approach people? Like, how do you approach the competition question from investors and how do you approach other people in this space? And, you know, he's, he basically said like, you just ignore it and you just keep building. Right. And it's, but I think it's actually to extend on that would be like, you know, anyone that's in this space that's building and you know, say they're building something close to what we're building, even all things aside, that person would probably be like almost the exact same person as me. And I'd probably be extremely good friends with them. Right. So it's like, you don't want to take people that are doing things that are very similar to you and like turn on them. Like that just makes absolutely no sense and isn't good for the community as a whole. So that was something I learned from him. So I think he would be like much better maybe than other people would think he would be. Um, Gosh, that's like two. We could probably spend the whole next sixty minutes going through this. Yeah, John, John you pick one. John, I'm gonna, I have to start with uh, Tim Draper, of course, because yeah. when you go back to when he bought those those uh, Bitcoin that were seized from the U.S. government, um, man, those were different times. You, you like you want to talk about like like, and then you look at what he's done over time. Um, uh oh, did we lose Joe? Um, you, you want to you want to talk about what he's done over time? He's been relentless. He has not stopped preaching the good word of Bitcoin, um, all the while in, investing. He he helped invest in us, um, and he's invest. I mean, he's, he's been into Tezos, and I think he's getting into a bunch of other projects too. There's a ton of them, so he's helped support this ecosystem uh, in the background and in the foreground. So I, I, I give him a lot of credit. Um, Vitalik, of course, for Vitalik, yeah, it has to be. I in mean, there, right. Again, like go back to when it happened, like when he did that, it is not like today it almost like you can look at things and go, oh, well, I see how that works. And I'm just going to improve upon it. I want to be more secure. I want to be faster. But but like literally like to be that creative and original and start up front um, when that happened, that's amazing. Um, I mean, d don't even mention the DAO that got hacked way back. I mean, how crazy if it wasn't, how crazy would it have been? Like there'd be, be a very different environment right now. Um, you know, I, I want to give Charlie Lee some credit for like early Charlie Lee before he cashed out at the top, Charlie Lee. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, just to try and innovate and go, how can we do this better to think of a better way to do things? And, and you know, some people would argue, well, all he did was fork Bitcoin and make it faster. Okay, cool. But again, go back to when that happened and it takes some faith to do that. Um, uh, Charles Hoskinson, uh, his round two, he co-founder of Ethereum, and now he's doing so much that I don't know if people fully grasp with Cardano. Um, there's a lot of really amazing things. And I'd say like, can't, yeah, I got to throw out uh, Stani Kulichov from uh, Ave. Um, I'm, I'm impressed, like, like the, and the whole DeFi space, where this is going, um, it wouldn't be where, you know, it wouldn't be here where it is if it wasn't for people like him. So I'll throw those five out. That's an awesome list, but I think everyone would agree that Michael Saylor, despite having a year and two months, right, he would be a part of that five-man superhero, you know, yeah, or, yes. or five, yeah, just superhero team, right? So um, it's it, that's just that's what that was my whole point. It's kind of like you know, I really feel like even people just coming in, you know, 
that started yesterday. It doesn't matter. You know, if you're part of the family, you're part of the community. And as long as you help grow the community and, and help us, you know, reach that open financial world that we're really trying to achieve, that's what really matters the most to me. No, I appreciate it. That's a great perspective, Alex. It really is. And it, it it's so inviting, I think, to new members of the community coming in and not feeling like, oh, I wasn't here in 2015, so I don't know what's going on. You can you can become an expert in the space. It's just the amount of time that you're putting in. Some people can put a heck of a lot more time in six months than other people could put in six years. And just because you bought a little bit of Bitcoin in 2014 doesn't necessarily qualify you as like the most impactful person. So I think that's a it's a beautiful way of thinking of it, and uh, I think it's really good. Um, tell, so let's let's jump into Swissborg a little bit. And unless John, you had something you wanted to add? Nope. I said that's. I just said that's pretty darn cool. I, I yeah. like the question. I like thinking about people that actually put effort in versus, uh, you know, when you're at a conference and someone walks up to you and go, "Yeah, I got it in 2010, but I lost my hard drive." And, and <laughs> like like, there's so many people that say this, but then they don't actually support the space. So I think it's a great a great perspective yeah and it's incredible I mean, even with you guys you just showed us through through the website you know lunar crush you know some of these guys that we have at swissborg glavin dennis roma jeremy marco all these guys are just incredible they've had days on on your actual like social sentiment where they're more influential than my brother and i like you know some of the guys who co-founded swissborg and, and that's such a beautiful thing right and i i really hope it continues to go that way where people you know, to get the best information about Swissport won't even come from the people or the, the founding team because it, they trust someone who is completely unbiased, which is who's just representing as an ambassador. And it's such a beautiful thing to see that on, on Lunar Crush. So, um, yeah, just wanted to share that with everybody. Yeah, it's great. It's a great insight. It's one we always talk about is if the community outranks the people you want, you know, you want the community out there talking about it. It's not just, you know, you at your birthday party by yourself. Um, so tell us a little bit about Swissborg. What are you guys up to? You know, give us the kind of like the elevator pitch of what exactly you guys are doing out there so everyone knows. Yeah, so Swissborg is a 100% community-backed and driven crypto wealth management ecosystem. And what I mean by 100% community-backed and driven is, you know, we never raise money through equity. We never did an equity round. We don't even value our equity. It's purely through tokenomics. And very few companies in the space could say that, that they just were born through an ICO, completely decentralized and distributed in terms of the funds, and everything revolves around the token, right? And that is something, that's the biggest dream, guys. You know, like if we, one day we'll be able to show the world that you do not need equity, you do not need a legal stamp to prove that you're registered and that, you know, all your books are transparent. If you could do it in a way where you don't need all these legislations and all these all this paperwork, and just rely on a token that it just creates something that's open to all that is a massive shift that's a paradigm shift right there right you're creating a, a company that is just the, it's the next chapter of the way companies are built and that's our dream right it's just to live without having to rely on equity and and just more importantly just be completely 100 percent community focused yeah, no, it's and like even just kind of seeing what like an Eric Voris did this last two weeks with Shapeshift and like these companies that start kind of more centralized and kind of roll into a more decentralized way of operating. You can tell that everyone in the space is they want to go towards that. Right. And everyone's kind of trying to figure out the best way, because at the end of the day, it's the most transparent thing. If everything's on the blockchain, you can see everything. 
it's the most transparent. It's, it's the least shadowy coder <laughs> way, you know, to kind of play a little bit on what happened this week. But so what, like what, when you guys first started that and you said out the gate, this is the way that we're going to, this is the way that we're going to launch. Like, how did you communicate that at the very beginning with the community? That's a really good point. So in, in the very beginning, we were thinking, okay, Swissborg was kind of built by traditional financial guys, right? Who just were working in hedge funds, were working at quantitative firms, were working at private banks, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And they all had the exact same frustration. You know, my brother was in Switzerland and he couldn't serve someone with less than 2 million Swiss francs just to invest, right? And he said, this is not, you know, rocket science. Like, why does it have to be so exclusive? And I'm sure that that's the drive, that's the motivation for many people, you know, who work in the traditional world. They're just like, this is so, so freaking exclusive. Like, it's just so crazy. And it doesn't need to be. And all of the co-founders, the, the, both co-founders and the founding members of Swissborg had the same pain. They're just like, you know what? Screw this. I put enough money on the side to just work on this for a while. Let's let's try to build something that's more meaningful. And and my brother was just so frustrated. He would call me. He was he was he was almost getting ill, man. He just he didn't like his job, and it was it was a very toxic environment. And uh, and he got me into it. You know, I, I wasn't a part of finance. He just said, you know, come and join us. This is something that's really meaningful. You know, we're we're I'm in my 40s, so I don't maybe have a lot of time to contribute to society. So I was thinking, you know, this is the last chance for us to to really make a meaningful change. Yeah, no, it's 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 beautiful because you know when you think about what accredited investor means right and it's like well if you have a certain amount of money or you make over a certain amount of money then you can have access to these projects or these companies that potentially like a vc are going to go wild right and like that's vc investing right you throw a thousand checks at the wall and one of them does ten thousand percent um that's literally what people have been investing in the same way as you see kind of these crazy percentages in crypto people are just now exposed to what venture capitalists have been exposed to their entire life. And so when you put a gate on the people, it's not democratizing opportunity, right? Like, and so if someone only put $50 into, <clears throat> excuse me, Uber or Coinbase, you know, equity at the beginning, they would be seeing the same upside, but instead it's someone that put $300,000 in because they were a millionaire and now they have $2 billion. Like, how is that helping? Um, just to clarify, we had Bernard here that said, so what is Swissborg, a crypto exchange? So can you dive in just a little bit more on, on kind of the details about what, what people are doing with you guys? Yeah, thanks so much, Bernard, for the question. So we're not an exchange. We don't have an order book. We're a brokerage platform. And, you know, very similar to what you were mentioning, John, earlier, like Expedia, right? We're kind of like an Expedia for crypto where we connect, instead of connecting to airlines, we connect to crypto exchanges. And we, so for the time being right now, we're connected to four exchanges. We're going to be connected to five pretty soon. So Binance, Kraken, Bitfinex, uh, LMAX, HitBTC, et cetera. And the reason why we do that is exactly the same as Expedia.com or Skyscanner or Hotels.com. We just get you the best rate on the market. You buy because there's so much spread between the exchanges. You know, one exchange is going to have Bitcoin at a lower price. The other exchange is going to have ETH at a lower price. And there's just going to be massive spread. Uh, across the, the exchanges. It's just completely fragmented. And so what we do is we just offer you best liquidity, best execution at the tap of your fingers directly with fiat gateways, you know, with 15 fiat gateways, actually 16 now with the UAE Deerham. <laughs> Interesting. So speaking of, of fiat gateways, I mean, here we are in the United States, Joe and I, and we were you know checking out Swissborg, doing some research. 
which I kind of I, I encourage everyone to do. It's actually really interesting to take a project and just dive in and see how it works. But the first thing that came up, not available in the United States. <laughs> would would yeah. love to hear more about that and, and why and 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 what's going on there. It's so hard, you know, it's so complicated. And, you know, from the day one, even for the ICO, we just didn't accept any, any U.S. citizens or residents. It's just, you know, the lack of clarity is is what scares us the most, right? And we see like some players entering the U.S. and then suddenly they kind of get kicked out or they get into some sort of legal confrontation and issues. I mean, even some of the companies in the U.S., they're getting kicked out of some states, right? Like yeah. recently, you see in the news, I mean, they're based in the U.S. They're American companies hiring American employees, and they're still, you know, not 100% comfortable. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's just the impression that, that I'm getting. Um, so for us, it was just too much risk at the same time, and we didn't have the expertise either, right? If, if we had friends like you guys, maybe you could help us, you know, set up a branch or something like that. But it's uh, there's a lot of risk. There's a lot of legal risk. There's a lot of financial risk as well because you need to hire all the local teams and you're not sure if you're going to be able to operate and stuff like that so uh, we, we just thought okay we want to be the main guys in the eu and uh that that's what we kind of focused on geolocalization yeah it's a it's a crazy uh environment when it, when a politician has an agenda in the united states and you spend all this investment trying to be here and and then all of a sudden they sue you for fun like and, and you got to fight it and you got to pay it. It's going to cost you millions of dollars and you did nothing wrong. And, and so I, I think that there's a lot of, a lot of crazy risk here and, and it's unfortunate. It, it, it's, uh, you know, it seems like the U S is going to fall behind at this point, unfortunately. Um, so, uh, you, you know, you said you're not a crypto exchange. You're really aggregating all this data. What are some of the, the issues you see with existing crypto exchanges? Right now, like I think the biggest issue is a lot of exchanges try to run too fast without thinking about a long-term sustainable approach. And we're seeing a lot of regulatory crackdowns, right, John? You've probably noticed it, but, you know, exchanges getting blacklisted, getting sanctioned and just running too fast before, you know, following procedures to, to, to live long-term. And for those reasons, they're losing banking partners. The banks don't want to work with them, so they don't have fiat gateways or, or good on and off ramps, or, or they do, but they have massive spreads. And uh, I think exchanges, some of them move too fast without really focusing on building the basics and doing things right from day one. I think that is, that's going to be the, the topic, by the way, it already started in 2021 second half of 2021 it's they're going to be a lot of crackdowns again and i think 2022 as you guys saw with biden who wants to get 48 billion dollars of tax money through crypto you know it's just the beginning right 20 2022 is probably going to be a big year of crackdowns and, and trying to uh sadly trying to to get money out of us and, and slow things down a bit yeah it wasn't it wasn't bad enough apparently with uh how crypto is taxed in the us right um so, so I guess, you know, when you see these centralized exchanges and you see these decentralized exchanges, I mean, what does the future look like with these, these two parties? Are they going to work together? Are they going to uh, do DEX's rule and centralized exchanges go away? Like, wh what's your vision on that? I see DeFi being the backbone of all finance. DeFi is going to be the core infrastructure of all finance and really i'm not just talking about investment i'm not just talking about trading or swapping 
I'm talking about payments as well. I had a call with a guy. He worked for 15 years at the highest level, one of the biggest payment providers in the world. And they all realize that as blockchain scales, their, their infrastructure will become legacy, right? It'll just be legacy infrastructure. So I, I really believe DeFi will be the ultimate backend for all finance, you know, not just money markets, again, everything. And, and then obviously, you know, the centralized components, you know, they have to do KYC. I hope Uniswap won't be slapped on the hand and, and have to do KYC in the future because it does take away a little bit of that, you know, sexiness of, of Uniswap and the openness, you know, for people who are in countries like my dad in Iran, right? Where they, you know, even if they want to try KYC, they don't have a criminal record. They're just not allowed because of stupid political stuff and embargoes that just fucks everyone's lives over. Sorry for my French, <laughs> but uh, no. it's, it's, a, it's a topic that You're catches my heart. That. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I believe, you know, it's it's going to be a little bit more regulated because there's so much money. I mean, when you see Uniswap having trading volumes that reach or surpass Coinbase's, that's when you, I mean, how can we keep going through without some sort of KYC, which I know people hate? Um, but I do believe, you know, DeFi will be the infrastructure and then there's going to be a little more regulations around, you know, where, where some of the centralized components will be directly connected to it, like Legos. So like a like a combination of like perhaps some individuals need to KYC depending on what they're doing with centralized finance and others maybe do not. Do you see that kind of dual path in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, DeFi and I'm I'm really hardcore DeFi, I'm pro DeFi. The only issues that I have with DeFi is that, you know, it's kind of missing one of the key points, which is the most important part of Finance 2.0, and that is inclusion, right? You know, when you have to pay, let's say, 50 to 60 to $70 gas fees for a single transaction, I mean, that is that is already you're cutting out 30% of the world minimum, right? You're just, yeah. that's not, that's not inclusion. And and finance 2.0, I think more than anything else, it's inclusion. Because as we we're talking about earlier, right, with the whole story of Swiss work, everything was so exclusive. And being exclusive like that is really bad because it creates like wealth gaps. And those wealth gaps are what create crime on the streets, blood, violence, right? Because people just think it's this is not fair, man. This is just totally unfair. And and for those reasons, you know, I think. DeFi at the moment is amazing. It's open for all. It's neutral, you know, and but it's still lacking in terms of inclusion. And it's also lacking in terms of accessibility because you need to be technical, right? Right. Uh, around it. And and for those reasons, you know, and I know, you know, not your keys, not your coins, and all these cool things that come from DeFi and the hardcore guys, but at the end of the day, I still think you need components of centralized nature, right? You know, I'm a very clumsy guy. I, I'm afraid not. I'm not just afraid to be to to have my funds stolen. I'm afraid to lose my own funds, right, or lose my private key. And I'd rather have it actually on a centralized custodian. I know it sounds crazy, right? But personally, for me, as, a, as someone who's a bit more goofy, uh, I would rather have a trusted third party, you know, like holding it for me because I'd just be too afraid of losing it all. So it has to be. There has to be some sort of combination, I guess. Yeah, I don't think you're crazy. I mean, I think I bet 98% of all wealth is centralized somewhere right like we're just at the tip of the iceberg of you know holding your own money and the people that are kind of hardcore in this space they're kind of they're trying to lead this thing that i mean you're telling me that at least in this generation people that 
are maybe a little bit older and have worked with banks, you think they're just going to write down like their 12 pat, you know, word passphrase and keep that on a piece of paper somewhere. And like, you know, someone's parents who are in their seventies or eighties are going to be doing some of this stuff. Like, you know, these people were around when like color TV was just getting started. So it's like, there's no way they're going to figure out like what, what address do I send that to? They're just having someone else do that for them. And so we need to, empower the someone else doing that for them to be that more decentralized nature but i i agree with you i don't think that will be fully fully decentralized maybe ever or for a very long time 100 percent, joe and go ahead sorry just because i have an anecdote to share related to that and on swissborg there's one lady in switzerland she's more than 80 years old and I can guarantee you, if you put her on Curve or Ave and stuff like that and try to install a MetaMask wallet, send the ETH to pay for the gas fees, I guarantee you, you'll lose her in one minute. But even though we're centralized, which is less cool, obviously, she is using her app. She has access to DeFi. She's earning DeFi yields. You know, we're talking about a lady. She's 82 years old. Super cool, by the way. To, to, and I, when I, I talked to her, actually, I had the chance to meet her. And she was just like, you know, Alex, I just want to be a part of this thing and I want to be a part of change. And and she can use it because the UX is so easy. So I, I know a lot of DeFi people, they get angry. I'll say you're CeFi, kind of stuff like that. But uh, at the end of the day, accessibility inclusion is really what matters the most to me. Right. I, I, I was just going to say, you know, I, I would dare anyone to go ship their, their grandmother a uh, treasure and just say, <laughs> get, get started. Don't don't give them instructions. Just say go and figure it out and see if they can and they can't and and that's that's the interesting thing when you think about you know for example the price of bitcoin um if it were really really easy across the board for every individual in the world bitcoin's already a million dollars and if you think about how if if it's like if it's that easy you have everyone in the space is still small and, and I think I think some people enter this space thinking it's supposed to just be like push a button, it's done. And I, I think that this space takes like weeks and months and years of involvement to grasp. And, and I think we're not we're not even at the mental area here of like what is crypto? How does it all work? Like what what, what do these coins do? Like we're, it takes a lot of time. Um, and I, I think it's just it's just an interesting time where I think you know if you can create something easy, man, that's that's amazing. Um, you win. Yeah. Um, it's a UX battle right now. Um, well, think about because it is too hard for self custody, especially. Think about I mean, what are you doing, Alex? You're you're taking someone who's 82 years old who otherwise would not be invested in DeFi at all or anything crypto, and you're taking that. And what are you doing with it? You're investing in DeFi <laughs> for them, right? So it's like, how could you be? How can these people that are so hardcore be like, hey, this other person that otherwise would not even be in this market is now in this market, but just in a slightly different way run by people that are all in on this, you know? So I think it's, you know, obviously it's a small population that is very vocal and we see a lot of that today. Um, but, you know, I think that, you know, projects and apps like yourself are going to be the ones that bring in the rest of the population that will just, you know, it's like, I don't, you know, people, it's like, hey, you're going to set up your own servers and run you know, your own box and, you know, have like a local host at your house to run like your website. Like, no, you're not doing that. Right. It's not, it can't scale. Um, so it's just a, it, we need people, we need UX, you know, experts and we need marketers in the space now. And it definitely, and, and obviously like Joe and John, like some of the key points, you know, a lot of people are looking for high APY, right? They want high returns. 
But I think the coolest thing about that, obviously, we had averages. We had days where we had 32% on USDC, directly paid into USDC. Wow. Uh, so we had we had crazy yields. And over the, the course of the, the past six months, our average on USDC was 20%, which is very, very high, right? But on top of that, it's not the traditional lending and borrowing. This is all going into DeFi. And I think at our peak, we had close to 1 billion US dollars in DeFi and pools, you know, really allowing the system, you know, to have the right liquidity to function, right? So uh, it's it's not just about trying to offer something that has supposedly the best risk return farming products in crypto, but it's we're, we're participating, right? We're all helping DeFi grow, uh, whether it be Polygon, BSC, Ethereum, it's that's that's so cool. Okay, I got some some big questions, and, and and I'm excited to ask you about this. So, and by the way, before I ask in the chat, make sure you're asking questions because don't forget there are some giveaways here. What are we doing? A a, a hoodie, this hoodie, a, a shirt, and then uh, we're doing some other giveaways. What was it? Fifty dollars or something? What was that? Yeah, and CHSB, fifty bucks to two people. Okay, so start asking those questions. Um, I want to talk about business models. And, and this is something like near and dear to us. Um, as an example, we could have, we get a lot of page views. We could have plastered banner ads all over our site. We chose not to. Uh, we have a different path we're taking. I see you guys have taken a path where you have CHSB, you've, you've kind of done a riff on a business model. What, um, if, I, if I said like uh, Coinbase, um, and I'm gonna publicly say it, say it, those atrocious fees when you use the Coinbase app are unbelievable. Um, lots of reasons for that. Um, but I, I think you've done something really interesting with your token. You've created these kind of different tiers of users, different features, would love to hear a lot more about the utility of CHSB and how that relates to your business model. Absolutely. And just talking about tokenomics in general, you know, actually I don't even own any stocks anymore. I'm not interested in owning stocks. I don't believe there's enough value. I really feel like tokens are like a stock 2.0. Because even if you have common stock where you have voting rights and dividends, that's that's the limitation right there. Stock doesn't go further. A lot of my friends are thinking, you're crazy, you're not diversifying. I'm like, no, man, like tokenomics have so much more value and so many more features than a simple stock would have. I mean, even if you look at the FANG stocks, right, like none of them are common stocks, so you can't even vote, right? If you're lucky, you may get dividends, but really... Tokens and especially multi-utility tokens are the future without a single doubt. And I have so many analogies, but I won't dwell too much on that. Like for us, like guys, it was like, so the, the best performing token of all time, right? From 2016 to 2021, we're, we're in July, end of July, or, or early August. It's the BNB coin, right? It's the Binance coin. Right. So success leaves hints, right? Like what did they do that made it so successful? And, and they kicked off with the first model, which is if you hold our tokens, you will save money. That's as simple as that, right? You get discounts and you save money on top of voting, you know, for other projects to list. So they, they had voting and saving money, right? So those were the, the key utilities that really helped Binance explode. And then there was not much innovation for, for a while. You know, a lot of tokens really didn't have real use cases or real utilities until for me, the next step, like the second generation of multi-utility tokens were the Celsius and, you know, let's say the Nexo tokens, right? Because they offered yields, you know, all of a sudden, instead of saving money, you're making money. So that was big innovation, right? All of a sudden people are like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm going to be able to boost my yield 
boost my returns for owning a specific token and a ratio. And and Celsius and Nexo, what they did really, really well from 2020, the latter halves from July, August, is that you would have to keep a ratio of their tokens in order to benefit from maximum yield. So it, you know, the curve is is actually not fixed. It's a flexible curve where, you know, if your yields grow, you still have to keep accumulating the sell tokens to still benefit from maximum yield. So that was a genius model. You're like, oh shoot. And on top of that, one thing that they do really well is they buy back the tokens because they pay in kind. They buy back from the secondary market and then they distribute it to the, the community. And that's brilliant because when they buy back, they're creating buying pressure constantly. And for those reasons, you know, the sell token was one of the best performing tokens in 2019, 2020. And Nexo has been killing it as well uh, since September 2020 onwards. And that was really innovative. And for us, it's like, okay, you know, we want to do, we want governance rights. You know, we have something called referendums where we had two votes on the blockchain. We had over 20,000 participants, which was awesome. Wow. And we asked the most important question of all. It's like, once you raise the money, we asked guys, do you want us to put all of your money into a desktop version or a mobile app? I voted desktop. My brother, the CEO, voted desktop. The community voted mobile. Luckily, they were smarter than us. So we went mobile. <laughs> because <laughs> there's less competition. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> the community is amazing. And, and so we thought, okay, governance rights, save money, make money. Uh, obviously, we can go into more detail and more complexities, but I just want to keep it, you know, the kind of surface level if you guys want today. And we thought if you have those, that three combination, you give a voice, save money and make money, then that is probably going to be a successful token through memberships. And then there's a layer of memberships, you know, like everyone wants to be a member somewhere and, and be even more involved in the community. And, and that membership kind of play, obviously, is, is also a great move for the the community to, to feel valued and, and know that they're a part of a one big family. What what are some of the, uh, actually, let me back up. Did you say you had 20,000 people vote in a governance process? Yeah, yeah, we did. We did in total. I think the first vote was, I mean, I'll, I'll find the numbers for you guys, but in total we had over 20,000 votes, which, yeah, which was really cool. And people get rewarded for voting, right? They get more tokens. So, um, yeah, that was super cool. And now, nowadays, guys, we have over 100,000 token holders. So the tokens are being more and more decentralized. And we have a few initiatives where we think we can further strengthen the token because it's it's the heart of our ecosystem. You know, one thing that I learned from uh, Jeff Bezos and Amazon is, do you guys know that little story when he's in a meeting room with the chairs? Have you heard that story? I have not. Uh, no. So it's a really famous story. One of my best friends works at Amazon and I confirmed with her and she said, it's true. Everyone knows about this story is whenever they have a really critical decision to make. So let's say it's us three, right? So we have, we're in a meeting room with three chairs. He's always going to put one extra chair and he's going to leave that chair empty. And the reason why he's going to leave it empty is because that last chair represents the customer. So once we go through the ideas, everyone shares their opinion, then all of us have to share opinion at looking at that empty chair and really thinking from the perspective of the Amazon shopper or the Amazon user. And for us, it's pretty much the same for the token, right? We go, there's always political stuff. There's always bias uh, in, in every meeting and every opinion. But if you have that you know, empty chair where you're thinking for us, it's like the token, what makes the most sense for the CHSB token, which is the heart of the community. So. Uh, yeah, sorry, I sorry to bore you guys with that, but I thought it was no, a pretty it's, cool. It's anecdote. great. I'm yeah. already thinking now for our company meetings. I'm just gonna 
log into Zoom with my phone as like a different avatar. <laughs> and that's going to be like the Lunar Crush customer. So as we go around, then I'll point to that one and say, what would they say? I like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's interesting. So so on, on CHSB, you have these levels, I guess, like, what do the users get for each level? Do you see additional levels in the future? And how do you see, I guess, CHSB evolving, if you can talk about that to some degree? Yeah, so I think one of the coolest utilities that kicked in in 2021, as you guys know, is the Launchpad utility. We had Polkadot, right? We have Soulstarter building on Solana, and you have multiple Launchpads. And I think that is, you know, farming other tokens. That is a utility that we want to slap on. Obviously, Binance has it as well, the Binance Launchpad, where you just stake BNB or BUSD, and you can farm other cool project tokens. The only issue with Binance is that they they put too many other tokens. Like you can farm with Polkadot, and you can farm with you know XYZ token. Well, I think they should have stayed focused only on BNB, so that that would just strengthen the utility of the Launchpad of the farming utility. So that's something that we want to do. I think eventually is to be again an aggregator we an, we're an aggregator for execution we're an aggregator for yield farming and become an aggregator for farming just tokens in general and uh be blockchain agnostic you know if we can work with we're already going to work with an uh, a launch pad that's building on cardano and then if we can work with a launch pad that's building on solana and get all the guys aligned and be one big aggregator of giving people the ability to farm cool project tokens with the CHSB token. Mm, very cool. So I'm just looking on, at some of these questions in the chat. They're like asking so many. all of them are just like, <laughs> which Joe and John, would you buy some, how much Swiss board do you own? <laughs> just like going through this, but. By the way, guys, should we give a third prize? Should we give like three times $50 uh, since sure. we have some cool people? Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah, the the only problem is I don't even know who to choose for a question. I almost want you guys to to pick it. Like there's so many and I don't even know what you're comfortable answering now. <laughs> there's like exchange listings like <laughs> Yeah. Um yeah, we I don't know if we want to do like any exchange listing ones. Someone just ask if they can just win it. I mean, on, on this note of like the community participating, I would be curious to hear how you, you view the community fitting into what you're doing. And other than the empty chair, of course, um, but, but like, how do you view the community? I mean, obviously we were going through the metrics earlier. You've got a lot of activity going and it just keeps accelerating from what the data looks like on a long-term two-year period. We're just, we continually see it going up. I guess, how do you view them and everyone around you um, relative to what you're doing. Guys, it is so important. It is really, and the thing about the community for me, it's really one big family. Whenever I go to a new city, I try to post a selfie, say, hey, who, who wants to hang out? I got some swag with me and let's go grab some drinks. And I really try to, even though the, our timetables are getting busier and busier. But you know, one thing that's important for me is I don't want us to identify ourselves as an army or as Marines or as soldiers or whatever silly term it is, it's just one family with the same vision and shared principles and values, nothing more than that. And, you know, we don't want to have this because there's so much animosity on, on Twitter and so many people fighting back with each other. And the whole purpose of crypto and blockchain is to be non-political, right? I mean, when you really think about it, how would you define Bitcoin? You know, some people say it's the 
the best store of wealth on the planet's goal 2.0 it's the intersection of blah 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 but it's really it's a statement against political bs right isn't bitcoin that that's what it is because all of it when you think about the root cause and you go like the way japanese people like to do it is you go five wise back right all the way to find the root cause of a problem you know if you have issues quantitative easing if you have issues with inflation most of it is political right most of it is due to political bs um so i just you know i just wish that you know the our Swissport community never fights and when it happens you know you can see people just sharing love they're like hey man you know we're all in this together and there's so much support and like you guys on lunar crush you know some of them have more influence than i do or than my brother does and that's that's what it is man it's there's nothing that matters more than this nothing i know it sounds cliche but really it's true well so how, do, how does that relate in terms of projects that you choose to list like how do you do you look at their communities like you mentioned marines i won't mention which one that is there's actually multiple projects that say they have marines now but like what do you look at when you when you choose for assets to list i mean obviously liquidity and can you trade it but but are you looking at these these different social signals with with the assets that you list yeah absolutely so this is by the way it's my personal opinion it doesn't mean we won't list anybody <laughs> but it's just i think it's it's a good mindset to have but yeah we we have like multiple factors right on how to list tokens obviously like you mentioned liquidity um and up to now we played it kind of safe right the blockchain the infrastructure tokens a few payment tokens uh DeFi tokens and really those that have a great community we've met maybe the co-founder you talked about stanny earlier he's a good friend of mine yeah and we, we know the guys on a personal level we know they're ethical we know that even some of the projects that are you know they have a little bit of an animosity from others we meet the employees and we know they're good people right so the the public image versus who's actually working there is is there's quite you know a negative correlation there so um we just try to look at what we feel has great technology good liquidity and a great community that follows beautiful yeah that's great so you know, just to comment on your community and the way that you're talking, you can see, you know, people talk about armies or Marines, people in your community are posting green hearts <laughs> all up and down the chat, which is like, you guys have the green kind of logo. And so it seems like they've attached to that. It's almost like, Hey, give peace a chance type feel, which is like, you can tell that's cause it's coming from you guys as, you know, the originators and the founders of this, that, you know, put it out to the community and they're, they chose hearts. Right. So they didn't choose an army. They chose all of that. And so it's just interesting. Um, so I think I got the first question here, which is like a, a little bit longer one, but there's one piece of it that I really like. Um, but it's from Steve Hess. So, Steve, um, you're going to get a t shirt or a hoodie and uh, $50 worth of CHSB. Um, what do you guys think? Will, will, be, what will be the future five years ahead from tomorrow for cryptos? Will there be regulations of usage? And then I like this one Will there be fiat? Um, and how can our future look? So thank you, Steve. Get us in the DMs um, on Twitter at Lunar Crush, um, and we'll get you. Uh, we'll get you everything. But what do you guys think? Will there be fiat? John Joe, what do you guys think? You're in the U.S., right? There, there's actually this author in in, in Switzerland who wrote uh, the death of the U.S. dollar, which is a bit of a scary book, to be honest. I really don't hope this is going to happen, but I'd love to hear your your views, guys. I can start, I guess. I mean, I, I think, I think, like you, like we're seeing the a little unraveling right now with regulation. I, I, there has to be some sort of 
marriage between what's happening in the space and like you know with tech startups forever it's like move fast and break things and like crypto is doing that at like a hundred times the speed which i think is is great because we can all see what the the future looks like um but i mean like regulation is meant to protect people right like we're we're sitting here and we're talking about um you know people that otherwise would never be able to invest in DeFi, you know so they need something more simple right and so whenever there's that type of person finding something new there's there's going to be potentially people out there that try and take advantage of that um but i think framework in order to allow these things to happen in a more seamless and quick way without damaging the speed and the and the change needs to happen in some way i, I wish there was more of a council i wish more people you know here in the us went to washington to talk about some of this stuff but inherently with crypto everyone just wants to go to their corners and be like nah i'm just gonna do my own thing um, but I mean, e like it's imagine like turning a, a ship, right? Like as startups, you can just pivot and go, right? And then even like medium-sized corporations, it takes longer to turn the ship. And then you think about how long is it going to take Amazon to pivot their entire business model, right? And then you think, well, what's even larger than that? Governments, right? And then you're talking about a government that's been in place in the U.S. for so long. It's going to take a generation to change, right? We're still talking to people, people in like. You know, I think the average age in Congress is like in the in sixties or seventies, even, you know, seventies. So it's like if you're thirty-five or you're nineteen, you know, you're thinking about the world in a completely different way than that person's thinking about the world. And so I think it just takes time. But I think like Tim always says from our side, he goes, If you ask someone under the age of thirty, do you want ten thousand dollars or do you want ten thousand dollars in Bitcoin? They're always gonna choose Bitcoin. Right. And then maybe if you ask someone who's a little bit older, do you want $10,000 or, you know, a third of a Bitcoin or a fourth of Bitcoin right now, they're going to take the Bitcoin, right? Because that's the future and that's what they believe in. So I think some of these things are just going to take time, but I think it's going to be probably much longer until we fully get rid of fiat, you know, from, from countries. Cause that's kind of the way that they garner that power in, in a certain way. So it's just going to slowly kind of move away. So that's my opinion. I, I absolutely love this question. So great question, Steve. I think this is the topic of a conference, um, but I guess we'll we'll answer it in a couple a couple seconds here. But I my thought is is, and it's you know it's an interesting time. What's about to happen? It's a huge convergence um, that I think will end up being led by user experience. Um, what I mean by that is like, take take um, how many governments are talking about CBDCs right now? I don't I don't know the number, but a lot. Um, if you look at that, what, think about what that means. That means that the government has uh, digitized their dollar and you, the citizen of that government, will have a wallet on your phone. Um, notice how I didn't say that that wallet's from any bank. And so you've got this, this interesting scenario where, where governments, uh, maybe not universally, but some countries will do it. They're automating their banking system. The government has a direct connection to you. And, and it's, it ha, part of that's pretty scary because the government can choose to approve or deny transactions to individuals, if you think about it that way. Um, they can choose to whitelist or blacklist entities directly. Um, but you've got that on one hand, bypassing banks. You've got DeFi on the other bypassing banks. You've got banks in the middle saying, I want to work with CBDCs and DeFi. And all of it exists. 
And and if this is all digital, why do you need bank branches? Why are you seriously still walking into a bank? There's a bank. Chase Bank is building a new location across the street from my house in this environment. I don't understand it, but but like, I, I think it's a really interesting convergence. But ultimately, it comes down to like, what's the best user experience um, for an individual? Um, but I'm also really intrigued to see what like El Salvador is doing here because mm -hmm. if El Salvador was to do a CBDC and say Bitcoin is legal tender, they, it, it's almost uh, like I'll pick on, we talked to, to Terra a few weeks ago. They got Luna and they got UST. It, it's almost similar to a degree where you've got this like dual token system at a, at a government level. So I'm, I'm curious to see what El Salvador is gonna do. Um, it does make them more sovereign if they can, they can mine, if they can do things green, if they can get individuals to adopt this stuff. But again, even that requires ultimately, how's that user experience? Um, so, so I, I'm curious now, Alex, your, your turn. We asked you go for it. <laughs> I couldn't agree more with what both you guys said. It's, it's really, if the only thing I would add is just on the fiat issue thing. I think one thing that we have in terms of misconceptions in the crypto space is that just because they're quantitative easing, you know, the, the, the value of the fiat currency is going to drop. That's not how it works. That's, that's not how hyperinflation or strong inflation actually happens, you know, and I think that's one thing that we need to understand. It's 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 basically a combination of events, right? It's number one, obviously, quantitative easing is not great either because you're increasing the supply. But on top of that, it's debt, right? It's 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 an increase in debt. It has to be connected with each other because if you're printing money, but your 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 country is still very productive, right? And producing with a high GDP, it doesn't matter, right? Japan has been doing quantitative easing for ages and the Japanese yen has stayed so strong against the against gold. So it's not just quantitative easing. So it has to be a combination of that plus global debt. And more importantly, it has to be mistrust in the government, right? It, to the point where people don't want to use the US dollar anymore, let's say for instance, which is not the case, right? You go anywhere around the world and you offer them US dollar. If you go to Iran where my dad lives, and you offer them US dollar, they're going to jump on it, right? I mean, they know that US dollar is is the currency, the obviously the global reserve currency, and it's a currency that is accepted in so many countries. So I think that's one misconception. I do not think that any of these big currencies will die as some, you know, hardcore dudes would think, you know, US dollar is going to zero and GBP and and you know euro, etc. Obviously, over time, big is without a doubt the best store of wealth and by the way for my family i don't have any fiat it's all bitcoin it's all yielding bitcoin um for for future generations right i'm not going to keep the fiat because i mean time has already told us over a century we know that it loses value against the gold so i, I think that's one thing just a misconception i want to clarify because i saw that the fiat part in that question and it's it's a combination of events and there has to be some sort of big political coup where people are just like you know what, screw this, I'm not using the Bolivero anymore. And that's the problem. That's where everything, you know, you increase supply and people don't want to use it. There's no demand. And that's where a currency goes through massive hyperinflation. Love it. No, thank you for sharing yeah. that. Yep. Yep. Um, so I want to add, this is this is kind of an interesting topic. Um, Revax01. Um, so make sure you get us in the Twitter DMs at Lunar Crush. Um, and it, uh, this not so much like, you know, like children could be depending on like the age, I think in some countries, but it's like, I like this question because it brings yeah. up more about like education, right? Yeah. And like this next generation and like, you know, we talk a lot about college here in the US or university, 
right? Where, you know, people are spending at some of these universities and even in Southern California here, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year to go to these universities to, you know, get a degree that may or may not be helping them and put them a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt because they need to, you know, be going to this or, you know, if they're only if their parents have a bunch of money and pay for it, then they don't have to, you know, they don't have to come out of school with a ton of debt, you know, and they, they're never going to get out of it. But I think it's interesting because it's how do you get people? I feel like the education that comes from being in this space early on, and if someone's 13, 14, 15 years old, then they're playing Axie Infinity right now, or they're playing Splinterlands, or they're learning about finance at the same time. Where, you know, I, I truly wish that the amount of Rainbow Six and EverQuest that I played as a child could have gotten me <laughs> some actual money out of that versus just getting yelled at constantly to get off the computer at 3 a.m. But it's like let's maybe we could just like talk about this a little bit of like what education looks like and like how does that how is that generation from we'll call it 13 years old to 18 years old how is that going to change just kind of open-ended i mean without a doubt without a single doubt this whole video game gamer esports generation is the easiest to understand Bitcoin. I mean, you know, when you look at Mt. Gox, it was built by guys, by gamers, and people are playing by World World of Warcraft and all those old school games, PC games. So I really, I mean, I couldn't say it better than you, Joe. That that's just perfectly put. It's the new generation just get it, right? They just get it to the point where you know, I see some of my younger cousins. They're playing video games and they receive a virtual sticker, like, "Oh yeah, this is so cool on the Nintendo Switch or whatever." And I'm like, "This is a virtual sticker. Who the?" Who cares about a virtual sticker? That just so shows how out of sync I am, right? Uh, right. How, how much of a geese. They're like over the moon. They're like, wow, this super cool sticker. And when I see those type of reactions on how excited they are just to receive a virtual sticker on a Nintendo Switch game, then I realize, oh, my God, this is this transition is going to be so easy for them. I like that. I I, I keep wondering how, like, I've I've got you know two boys and they're in their teens and they all they want to do is crypto invest all the time, and I find myself investing for them. Like, I guess like logistically, like how do we how do we get anyone, whether it doesn't matter how young they are, how do we get them to invest? And maybe there's like parental oversight. There, a, 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 can I check a box as a parent and say yes, it's okay, like. Like, I'm just, I'm curious how that evolves. Cause I mean, it, you know, a, a 10 year olds want to get involved. Eight year olds want to get involved. They want to buy a little Bitcoin. Grandma gives them 50 bucks for their birthday. They want to buy Bitcoin with it. How do we, how do we get there? Is that possible? Yeah, it's, that's a really good question. Um, how do we get there? Joe, you want to help? <laughs> All right, I was I was trying to get the Revax and Steve Hess's email addresses because I just realized I'm probably going to get 40 DMs on Twitter from fake names already because people are just so hardcore on that. Um, so sorry, John. Repeat. I, I well, I mean, look, like so, so like let, let me give a scenario. Uh, my son's grandmother gave him 50 bucks for his birthday. It's okay that that's a check. It's okay that he deposits it into a bank account. It's not okay that he transfers that into Bitcoin or any any altcoin or DeFi or anything, yet like we are headed to this environment where there's gonna be CBDCs, there's DeFi that will exist, there's fiat, they will all coexist in some manner, but it's only okay 
for my son to get $50 in fiat and leave it in fiat until he turns 18. Then, then all of a sudden, magically, it's okay, legally speaking. So it, this is a weird time. It doesn't make sense to me. They can get a sales, but they can get a bond, a government bond from like- yeah, I was gonna say, you know, get your government like, bond wait, and that's it. Yeah, wait 30 right. years. So you gotta wait 18 I mean, years of your life to accumulate wealth unless it's fiat. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's true. It's a it's a problem, right? But I mean, it's like, I think there's there's definitely you know like just like we were talking about with the older generation, there's younger folks that just may not be interested at all in finance, and they're like, you know, I need I need money to live, and that's to the extent of it. I'm gonna go do this other thing with my life, and that's awesome, and that's amazing, and it's like, that's great. Um, but why not give them access to the rest of this financial market that we have access to? And how do you make that simple? And how do you make that easy is the hard part. John, can you hear me? I think we just had, I think StreamYard might have just went kaput. I think it did too. Here, let's, there we I go. Think stream, I think StreamYard just went, <laughs> I got all these comments now on here just going like, what in the world? Um, are you guys back? Yeah, I I'm, can hear I'm you guys. Back. I'm back. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> Sorry to everyone. Yeah, in so the all of a sudden, everything started like loading for some reason and it went robotic. Yeah, I think the, the actual server had issues. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Everything went, Never everything went down. All right, we're back. Um, also, uh, Revax, if you're in the chat still, still need your uh, Twitter handle, bud, so put it in there. And I think we're going to choose one more question here. Um, Can I just then, add uh, just one, one thing yeah. real quick, John, on Fair your enough. question about, you know, kids not being able to do anything, even though they may get allowance, right, from age five or six, right? I mean, it, it doesn't make yep. any sense. And But one thing that, um, that I've done in in the past like few months is just recommend money management books for parents to read to their kids. And there's one that is really good, which is rich dad, poor dad. It's yeah. all actually all through a story. It's narratives. So I, I shared it with one of uh, Jacob, by the way, shout out to you, brother. I, I shared it with one of our community members and he's been reading some chapters. I think was he, maybe it was him or another friend was reading it to his son. And uh, because it has a story format, it's a bit cool, you know, it's less of the, the technical jargon and all that stuff. It's a great book, I think, for already understanding the basics of, of money management. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Such a great, such a great book. And he, he's actually been pretty vocal um, in the last couple of weeks. I like. I still think there's like an epic meme that needs to be made about him. Just like, I, I don't know if it was like some sort of podcast that he was on, but he's just like staring at the camera and he just goes, why would you want money when they're printing money? Right. Just like such a matter of fact of just like, it's like the same words that everyone said like a thousand times, but for some reason to him, just like in awe of just like this, like the stupidity of it. I was just like, he's absolutely right. 
Why would you yeah. want money when they're printing money? It's just like, he's, yeah, I get he's, it. He's so charismatic, right? It's yeah. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. That was a great, great story. You know, people don't know that story. It was, he wrote a book about his, I think his dad was very educated college professor. I think his mom was very educated as well, college professor. And then he had a friend and his friends, you know, dad, I don't even think had a, like a college like education might've, I think might've even left high school, um, but was just much wealthier than his family. And so he was always very like curious about why and, and kind of learned that um, there's, you know, there's a way of whether it's making money or, you know, education doesn't always mean this. And it was just, it's a really nice story that I think everyone should learn, but it doesn't discount, like, I think education, it just shows that there's different needs for different things. I wish I could read some of this. Some of this is in French. Um, John, did you see any <laughs> other, any other questions that you thought were really good in here? I, I had one and then we crashed and then now I don't know where it is in all of these questions and I'm trying to find it. I, can I, go, I think there credit. was one and we, maybe we can do it really basic. Um, I'll find it here. But someone asked um, when, when Swissborg NFTs. Swissborg NFTs. That's a good question. We've had a few of them actually where we have a partnership with engine. One of my favorite projects, by the way, and oh, I'm yeah, biased. No, love engine. I, I know that we know the team very well and just they're, they're amazing. So they, they're actually the ones who build our NFTs and um and we send them directly to we, we do them for amas but but i think the most important evolution for nfts for us is to have it as the membership right when you have a limited membership and have that N nft that represents the identity the background so that if one day they want to sell their membership imagine you, you have a membership for a really cool club in california an exclusive club so that they'll be able to sell it directly on a secondary marketplace i think that's how we want to evolve with nfts Awesome. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, this was awesome. I mean, we did a full over an hour. Appreciate. I know it's, wow. you know, it's probably, it's a little bit later where you are. So I appreciate you staying on with us and, and getting to know our community a little bit. And obviously a lot of your communities in here too. Um, but what, so what, what can you leave us with? Where do people find you guys? Um, how did they sign up? Where, what do you want everyone to do? Yeah, so guys, definitely uh, check us out on swissport.com. We are on Discord, we're on Telegram, on Twitter. If you want to follow me, I'm Alex Fazel, F-A-Z-E-L. And we also have a show called Kryptonite TV, which I should get you guys on one of these days, especially if you come to London. We have the production studio there, so everything is in 4K. We'd love uh, that. So that get, would be amazing. We can get you in the mm -hmm. full production, sure. yeah. Very cool. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate it. And thank you guys, everyone, for listening. We're going to we're gonna shoot out these, uh, these T-shirts and everything else to you guys. I got all the Twitter handles, so we'll get your information. And uh, we'll pass it along to Alex as well, and we'll make it happen. So thank you guys so much for listening, Alex. Dude, awesome. It was such a pleasure to meet you. We'll yep. chat with you backstage. And, John, as always, it's a pleasure. Thanks, everyone.